0: Welcome to the Bad Tech. My name is Himal. My name is Tamara. And uh, today we are going to talk about uh, little green men.
1: Yeah. Unless you're in a Russian war zone, we all have a single idea about what little green men means. Right. Uh, We use that as a a sort of an endearing term for extraterrestrial life, alien life, I think. Hmm. But aliens and unidentified flying objects, we now treat that as a very familiar element in in sci-fi in pop culture but there was a time this was quite new and um, this uh, craze started in 1940s first and that's when uh, the term ufo was coined do you know the story ma no tell us right okay so uh, there was an amateur pilot this guy's name was uh, kenneth arnold mm. he was on his way to an air show in in oregon i think uh, he was on his plane flying his plane and uh, close to Mount Rainier, which is in Washington, this guy saw a, a flash of blue light. And he thought it was a, a little odd at first, but then he thought uh, it could be sunlight just glinting off another plane. But he looked at the radar and there were no other planes nearby. And he kept looking a little more and he then he saw nine more flashes of light. And he was curious. He found this very odd. And he thought... Um, He would report this to the media because it it was quite a new thing. And uh, when he talked to the reporters the next day, he said that these lights were bouncing off across the sky like a saucer would if you skip it across the water. He was just referring to the the movement that the light was making because it was so fast. And the reporter then did something uh, which uh, the Atlantic calls one of the most significant reporter misquotes in history. Hmm. So this guy um, wrote his article saying that this pilot had uh, seen a saucer-like object moving across the sky. Uh, But in reality, that's not at all what uh, this guy Kenneth Arnold meant. He just wanted to say that the movement was like a saucer would Hmm. if you skip it across the water. But the reporter thought he was referring to the shape of the object, the light itself. Hmm. And uh, all the other media came onto it and they started saying they, they actually coined this term flying saucers which was a more catchy term mm. to refer to the whole thing and uh, after that a lot of people around the country started seeing flying saucers seeing f- uh, flashing lights mm. it was like everybody wanted a piece of that attention to themselves so they started reporting stuff like that over and over again and uh, this went on for a while and to add insult to injury in so this was in uh, 1947 June Mm -hmm. and in July a farmer in Roswell New Mexico reported that he captured one of these flying uh, saucers and uh, there was some debris lying in in a a corner of his field and he said it was um, it came from the sky and um, he, he captured this so a lot of stories started developing around this and people started talking about flying saucers and alien beings visiting from other planets And in the 1950s, 1956, I think a U.S. Air Force officer named Edward Ruppelt coined this term UFO, uh, unidentified flying object, because he thought that was a more general term to refer to all the objects and the lights people were seeing in the sky. So that's how it sounds a little bit more respectable than yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's uh, that's how the term came into popular discourse. You
0: mentioned Roswell. Uh, and uh, you said a farmer claimed to have captured a flying saucer. Was that?
1: Yeah, that was the initial story oh, really? that okay. Oh, okay, uh,
0: no. There are, I think, different stories, right? The, something about a body being discovered. And yeah, there are all yeah. sorts of
1: stories and there are photos and video footage of yeah. charred alien bodies. Yeah, I mean, stuff. all doctored, of course. Yeah, yeah. doctored, of course. Yeah. And uh, the funny thing there is debris was found of a yeah. of a vehicle of some sort. But it turned out It was actually a weather balloon of some sort yeah developed by the us military by the us air force the funny thing is that was not the actual truth because in the 90s the us air force actually more or less admitted that it was a surveillance balloon right it was carrying some surveillance equipment that they were using to spy on the soviets but uh, when the the story came out and um, the whole alien um, story started developing they didn't want to Hmm. Look a gift house in the mouth. So they they also went with went it. With it yeah. And only after 50, 40 or fifty years did they admit
0: yeah. the actual truth. Right. So what they actually fi- found was some tinfoil and some yeah. sticks and things like that. Like basically what would you, what you would expect to find at a weather balloon yeah. crash site, right? Yes,
1: exactly. We don't know all the iterations the story went through. So there must have been other details that we missed that would have proved this to be a bogus story. But anyway, the point is People started talking about these things and they started developing their own narratives and their own stories around seeing spaceships and lights and being abducted in extreme cases
0: kind of makes you wonder why nobody ever thought of asking why why an extraterrestrial intelligence would come all the way to earth only to crash land in yes fucking new mexico right like i mean some yeah border. they, they, they no. figured out everything to yeah.
1: like they, they had all the technology they needed to travel across the galaxy but they Couldn't land properly. We're talking about vast (laughs) spaces and they come here and they can't even fucking land properly.
0: And also, uh, apparently they come here to abduct and anally probe rednecks. (laughs) I mean, like, why? I mean, why would they waste all their resources just to do that? I mean, these are questions that I guess the media didn't really bother asking Mm. back then. Yeah, because they just wanted a story. Right. Right. Do we know of any local
1: stories like this? I mean, Roswell is world famous. There are so many other examples that we can give when it comes to alien abductions or sightings but uh, what do you know about sri lanka
0: i mean you get the odd story the papers every now and then and occasionally on tv on, the, on i think on live at eight on Zwaranwani, i've seen footage very questionable footage of <laughs> flashing lights right. recorded with a mobile phone or whatever and mm. i mean i don't think anyone really took that stuff very seriously
1: yeah there are people who take the subject very seriously in Sri Lanka. No, you can take the subject very yeah.
0: seriously, but I'm I'm talking about these actual claims right, of yeah, yeah. seeing UFOs mm-hmm. in the sky. Or I mean, I don't I don't think there's been any incident reported in Sri Lanka that made headlines internationally, right? Right, right. Yeah,
1: yeah. And certainly there haven't been any abduction stories. People no, haven't no, there gone haven't that far. Been,
0: yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, not yet anyway.
1: But uh, one thing that I did notice was I actually had a look at all these reported incidents that i've been there in the past and there's a website called ufo hunters they kind of keep track of sri lankan website no no it's a oh, okay, international okay. website but i think you can report to them oh. if, if you claim that you saw something and uh, the latest account that i found on that from sri lanka was in 2017
0: what was the story
1: it was just a sighting near i think anuradhapura Oh, way I'm I forget. Right. One of the two. But uh, one thing that I did notice was many of these claims that are coming out of Sri Lanka, they claim that these things happen around uh, uh, places with some historical significance and mm. uh, ruins from our earlier civilizations like Anuradhapura, Polonnaruwa, mm. Dimulagala, all these places. And they claim that th- the people who take this stuff re- seriously, they claim that aliens are coming here to study the techniques and the the secrets of the ancients right. to find out how they built all these huge structures and stuff like that hmm. which
0: again i find absurd because so what they they skip <laughs> egypt and the pyramids and <laughs> yeah. they come here okay okay well, sense
1: and they have all the technology they need to to travel across galaxies and they come here to like learn how to build buildings
0: and stupas <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> that's <laughs> that's funny but anyway that that seems to be a, a narrative that most people are very happy to go with at least uh, the guys who um, bring out these stories yeah, there there's a there's a person i forget his name but he writes books about these conspiracy theories i actually read one of his uh, accounts which in which he has along with a with, with a couple of his friends and some villagers they have they camped out oh. near parakram samudra okay and they were looking for these uh, spaceships and flashing lights and they apparently that they saw some but they couldn't go into the thick jungle to find out what it was you get people making all sorts of these claims and we do have to be really skeptical in in giving them any value but we can't really deny the fact that extraterrestrial life might exist right no it's certainly a possibility
0: that they exist i mean it's it's, it's a very good chance that they exist it's just that i mean Everybody's got a smartphone these days, right? Like yeah. With HD or 4K mm-hmm. video recording and strangely, no compelling footage of mm-hmm. anything yet.
1: Yeah. There's a big collective uh, in the US called MUFON. Yeah. Mutual UFO Network. Yeah. These guys, uh, they're quite serious. They publish a, a journal and a yearly book about uh, interesting cases of UFO sightings mm-hmm. and encounters. And... Uh, I actually read on their website that they receive between 500 to a thousand UFO reports a month from all over the world. They keep a record of it, and they have a live map of UFO encounters and stuff. So you right. can go and check out their website, which is really intriguing. But then again,
0: I've read that uh, SETI, when they when they get uh, calls, they just kind of prefer people to. Oh yes, they yeah, do. Yeah. They
1: do. Yeah uh not just move on there are some other collectives as well yeah. around, mostly in in the us i think because they kind of seem to be obsessed with this mm. in a way they do important work because they actually keep a record of like you said if if seti misses something mm. they can then refer to un, to these groups and see if they have recorded the right. the same phenomena and then get some reading out
0: of it seti being the search for extraterrestrial intelligence which we will talk about yeah we'll, we'll get at to that in kind a of bit yeah
1: before we go there, I, w- I just want to ask you, say that we someday get to see that point of first contact, the a- aliens visiting visiting us. Right. And if you had had a, had a chance to meet them, what do you want them to look like?
0: That's a weird question. Uh, <laughs> what would I, want? I mean, I don't know. I mean, we all have our own image of yeah. what they might look like, yeah. right? And Little
1: green men being the
0: been the popular yeah yeah Yeah. i mean but that's kind of dated now i think right yeah Yeah, i mean
1: i think it started in the in the 40s yeah yeah it's uh little
0: green martians even before that there was
1: a i think uh the the first reference to little green men came from this book uh this story called uh maya's little green men okay which was included in a book titled weird tales by harold lawler right in 1946 Mm -hmm. that's that's the first reference that i could find and uh, from that it kind of looks like some some other author saw this and saw some potential in the in the concept right use the same thing again and it it kind of spread Mm -hmm. that way but even in a lot of popular sci-fi installments we see this these aliens with huge heads and and Mm. elongated eyes and small mouths yeah this stereotypical
0: Right, alien figure that that's what they use that's the go-to yeah i mean i mean we can really never know right yeah and life i mean we kind of look at it from a very human perspective right i mean it 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 may be something that we might not even recognize as life true and so until and unless we actually encounter them there's really no way to tell over the decades uh, aliens as we have come to call them have uh, varied in appearance, yeah. especially in uh, pop culture and sci-fi movies and television. Mm. Um, what are some of the more realistic, quote-unquote, realistic portrayals of aliens?
1: Let me put aside the realistic element for a little bit because okay. I have no <coughs> reference point. To go yeah, by. exactly. Um, because we have no clue, right? Let's we, let's talk about interesting right. depictions of aliens. Okay. One thing that I that I quite liked was. Of course, the classic Ridley Scott's Xenomorph, right. which is kind of an extreme version of a violent, hmm. predatory creature, yeah. which is, is is terrifying and and foreboding in a way, but
0: also. I mean, it was until he went and he went back and screwed it up with uh, Prometheus.
1: <laughs> you know, I actually I you kind like, of oh like, my God, you like Prometheus. I get why it's it's getting a lot of hate, but I didn't hate it that much.
0: You you didn't have a problem with the concept of engineers that whole thing? You Weirdly, no. I actually
1: liked okay. it. You liked it, okay. yeah.
0: Um, but okay, let's let's come to that in a different discussion. I, I thought that was a very strange choice, but yeah, right. I mean, yeah.
1: So so that has left a lasting impact on on pop culture, right. uh, the Xenomorphs. Um, but uh, a recent very interesting depiction of aliens I saw was in Arrival.
0: Oh yeah, that was great.
1: The 2017 movie, right. 16? Which, the, the the creature was sort of a, a heptapod. Mm. Like a... Seven-legged... Se- seven-legged creature. Yeah. It's quite large. I mean, a lot larger than a human mm. being. And they had to stay in this sort of containment chamber almost. Um, they couldn't... I don't remember exactly, but I think they could not stand the Earth's atmosphere. So they had they had to right. be in some sort of a special... A chamber in their spaceship, and they had this language they were using that allowed them to allowed them to have a very different perception of time than we have. And there was this whole concept that they developed, which I quite liked. Which didn't come from the movie, of course. It came from the short story, which it was based on, right. called a uh, Story of a Life" by Ted Shang, which you haven't read. You should. So it's a story in a collection of really good short stories uh, the, the collection is called stories of your life and others um, I quite like that depiction but one thing that I find funny is how Star Wars yeah. Star Trek even Men in Black they kind of have this very disturbing hideous unpleasant look about
0: them right the aliens It's it's like Mm, not bi- necessarily in Star Wars. Maybe, maybe yeah, any, men in black for sure. Yeah, uh, I don't mean all the creatures, but some. some most of them. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh,
1: it kind of <laughs> it's it's almost like we want them to be like it, it's almost like we we have sort of established ourselves as the perfect being, and they mm. are uh, I- at least in, in our eyes imperfect in some way. Um, I kind of find that funny because. It signals some sort of a superiority complex, I think. Right,
0: right. Uh, but yeah, what what do you think? What, what, what do what what are the depictions that you like? I mean, um, I didn't really. I wasn't a huge fan of uh, Arrival. I mean, I I thought it was. Uh, I mean, as a, the film, I, I didn't. I wasn't crazy about the script, but I thought the ali- the concept of the creatures was very interesting. It was something unusual. I think something that's never been done. That had never been done before in cinema. Right. And uh, that whole thing about the linguistics and all that, that was that was fascinating. What was. did you
1: think of the non-biological extraterrestrials in in
0: Transformers? But even that Allspark thing wasn't there some kind of biological beginning to the? I know, I know, they're robots, but surely somebody built them, right? Some organic, right? Yeah. Do we know about the genesis? I'm, I'm not a huge star- uh, Transformers person, so I don't really know about the Me background. Me
1: okay. just...
0: My favorite, I suppose, would be uh, the South African District Nine. I can't remember any of the movies I've seen. So throw me some throw some names at me. Independence Day. Independence Day. Ah, yeah, when uh, Will Smith famously punches <laughs> that alien, that was cool. Uh, <coughs> but that was another instance of those really lizard-like. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Slimy creatures, right? Yes. I think that's more interesting than the typically humanoid types that look right yeah. too much like us, right? Mm. That that's I mean I mean I don't know, your kind of suspension of disbelief ends there, Yeah, they look so much like us to the point that they may as well be human uh, uh, what about uh, literature
1: since we also talked about uh, Sri Lanka a little bit one name that I can think of is of course arthur c Clarke right I do have to confess though I haven't I've only read branddevous uh, with Rama oh, okay and that was
0: oh that, that, was, that was very interesting that was good and childhoods and right that
1: so okay talk to me a little bit bit about Arthur C. Clarke's perception of extraterrestrial life and why you like it or I mean, it depends.
0: Like it. it depends on the on the book, I suppose. In uh, right. 2001, have you seen the movie? I've seen the movie. yes. Ah, okay, so the book and the movie were written, I think, uh, simultaneously. Like right. Accord. I mean, according to that version of the story, humanity was kind of gifted with not necessarily intelligence, that like an alien intelligence, kind of like prodded us in the right direction like they didn't come here and like yeah. you know tell us how to teach to uh, teach us how to use tools or anything like that but that the presence of that uh, monolith yes yeah it kind of guided us in the right way like okay. I think that's what he was going for okay childhoods and on the other hand had a completely different take where an alien spaceship arrives it enters into some kind of understanding with our political leadership and right like the Vulcans yeah, and <laughs> before you know it, uh, Earth becomes paradise, a utopia. Right. Okay. But uh, they come with an ulterior motive, which I won't get into because it's 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 going to be a huge spoiler. Right. Uh, but in that, I mean, I think there's a TV series based on that now, which is not as good as the book. Uh, but I mean, if you if you if you if you can't be bothered reading the book, you might as well check it out. It's a, not very. It's a mini series of about ten episodes. Mm-hmm. So the depiction of aliens in that was very interesting. In that it's... The alien looked very f- the alien was basically something that w- would have looked very familiar to humans from not just from today but from se- even from centuries ago i i can't tell more without okay spoiling sure. it so but d- does he
1: go into great detail about how they their appearance and how they conducted themselves
0: again in childhoods and like there's one word to describe the alien appearance and that would right. give away the everything i get okay. like it there's no point talking about uh, is there any
1: other notable literature that we uh, you you recently finished
0: reading uh, uh, hyperion, hyperion yeah hyperion by dan simmons it's um, that actually that's something we can talk about later on because it's it's about humanity like kind of evolving and adapting to life in space the a- aliens I mean, they are present in the story, but they are not very relevant to the overall narrative. Right. It's more about how humans kind of progress over the next thousand or two thousand years and spread across the galaxy. And mm-hmm. we, we will get back to that later because I, that's something I want to address. So right. Yeah. Sure. Of course.
1: Okay. Moving on. Now, we've had this obsession with, with aliens and extraterrestrial life in for ages now. And it's evident in all these movies and books that we put out. Oh. But uh, where actually are they?
0: Yeah, where are they? There is the big question.
1: I- isn't there an equation developed to find out
0: how many... The Drake equation. The Drake e- equation, exactly. I think it... it Shall th- we break it down? N equals R times FP times Ne times FL times FI times FL, FC times L. At
1: yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's got uh, eight terms.
0: Yeah. Let's just... Break N it. being the number of broadcasting civilizations. That's
1: what we want to find out. So yes. that's the the purpose of the equation,
0: so which is a function of uh, the R being the average rate of formation of suitable stars. Well, this is this only applies to the Milky, the Milky way, way, right? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the fraction of stars that form planets, the average number of habitable planets per star, the fraction of habitable planets where life emerges, the fraction of habitable planets with uh, life where intelligent evolves the fraction of planets with intelligent life capable of interstellar communication. And lastly, L being the number of years a civilization remains detectable. So when you do the math mm-hmm. in, I mean, it, it, it's a huge number, right? This uh, equation was developed by uh, Frank Drake in 1960. He uh, was an astronomer uh, he, Yeah, at the National Radio Astronomy Observatory. Right. In West Virginia
1: there is an updated version of the drake equation that scientists are using now so this the equation that we mentioned earlier it's called the classical drake equation or cde but in 2010 an astronomer called uh, claudio Macon came up with an updated version of this he calls this the statistical drake equation or sde It, it has got more math in it which i don't Let's not, let's, not, let's not get into <laughs> that yeah. it's a, it incorporates a standard variation right. into okay. the equation and uh, when the calculation is done there are about 4590 civilizations within the Milky Way galaxy that they think would
0: would harbor life. These are, are these actual civilizations or planets that are capable of harboring life? Not necessarily intelligence life or any life? Or
1: this is intelligent life, Intelligent because, life. because
0: okay. uh, the, the purpose of the, the equation is, is to find, find yeah, exactly. uh, a civilization which is
1: advanced enough to be able to emit radio okay, signals. Right. So that's what we are looking for. The, the the crucial thing about the equation is the term L, which right. is the years uh, a civilization remains detectable. Right. We actually have no idea what that time frame is. We don't really have a good idea about it.
0: I think that's where the great filter comes in, right? Is it, yeah, I think so, but let's get back to that later,
1: yeah, so basically if if l is big enough,
0: yeah, it
1: basically renders the other terms in the equation unusable because right. then it it could come to a point where n equals l right in fact, Drake has himself has alluded to this fact because apparently his uh the number plate on on his car reads n equals l. <laughs> so yeah that's 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 where our claudio Micron comes in and uh, the standard variation comes in and mm. right now i think uh, a a safe estimate that they go to is about 4950 within the milky, the milky way, way. Okay. yeah so that's where we are right now
0: okay so where are they why have we not heard anything from these civilizations which according to this equation are capable of communicating or at least sending out radio signals that is a paradox right yeah the f- it's called the Fermi it's paradox. It's called the Fermi paradox. Yes, yes.
1: Uh Enrico Fermi, the Italian physicist. He yeah. was the guy who suggested this and basically it is the the disconnect between evidence for extraterrestrial life and the sheer possibility the, hi, the, yeah. the the very high yeah. probability if you built. just yeah. look at the numbers of
0: if you just look at the size of the universe. Let's it, talk about it. let's talk about the size of the universe like in our galaxy alone there are I mean, the lower estimate is 200, billion, 200 stars. billion stars and in our and if you move out of our galaxy within the the the, the local group and the cluster and I mean, if World you take the whole stars, yeah if you yeah. take the entire observable universe there is something like 70 sextillion stars yes that's
1: that again is the low estimate i think the higher estimate is 260 or something like that yeah there is a nice thought experiment that you can do uh, you love the beach right yes so when you go to the beach next time just uh, take a handful of sand grains mm-hmm. into your hand and try to isolate just one sand grain i think it measures about half a millimeter across right and then try to just imagine all, all the sand, the sand in grains in all the, beaches, in the all beaches, beaches yeah on earth yeah there are more stars in the galaxy in the in the in the observable sorry than there are st- sand grains uh, on earth which i mean it's it's Which is easy to talk s- on basically <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's easy to say that but it's really hard to imagine that isn't it yeah we don't have a problem with a problem interacting with small numbers like
0: thousands or no, even, thousand. even up to a million we can like comprehend but like yeah. beyond that like beyond the billions it's it's no the, the thing is no, like okay y- even actually, a million, like, yeah. we
1: can we can do some math on yeah, paper exactly. yeah exactly even the but billions you can not yeah. imagine like say for example if if you take 10 pens you can just yeah. imagine how how it lays on a right. on a, on a tabletop or whatever right 100 maybe you can do, 1,000, yeah. it's difficult. Yeah. And, and beyond that, it's it's very difficult to imagine the sheer appearance of it, the the depiction of it. Yeah. You can't, your mind just doesn't have the capacity to do that. When you go to 200 billion and trillion, it's it's just impossible. So even though we can just say these numbers out loud, I, I don't think we anyone has, even scientists who deal with this stuff, regularly have a very yeah. good idea about how big these numbers are they are very hard
0: to fathom yeah yeah so just to illustrate the vast difference between a million and a billion mm-hmm. a million seconds is equal to 11 days right guess how many days or guess how, guess how long a billion seconds is
1: you said 11 days right yeah
0: 1 million seconds equals 11 days and 1 billion seconds is any any guess any
1: 1000 days is how much how many years
0: I don't know, I can't math right now. How, how much is it? 31 years. Fuck. <laughs> that's, that's the difference between a million and a billion. Like right. Okay. 11 days yeah. p- versus 31, 31 years. years. Right, yeah. yeah that, that's unimaginably huge. Yes, it does put things in perspective. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Uh,
1: and it speaks to the fact that we can't really understand these numbers just by looking at them. So. I mean the,
0: sh- the size of the universe is something that is actually beyond our comprehension. Yeah. You don't even have to go as far as the universe, just take our own galaxy. Mm. Like, I mean, t- 200 billion stars is nothing just sneeze at. That's, <laughs> that's, that's That's a crazy number of stars.
1: And within the Milky Way galaxy, we estimate that there are about 20 billion potentially Earth-like planets. Yeah.
0: And how many of them are habitable, do we know? Potentially?
1: That number is the, the, the number of planets which is in the, the yeah. Goldilocks zone within a star system. Yeah. So, and
0: every year we are discovering more and more pl- we're planets. We're discovering so yeah,
1: more. And yeah. the other thing is the universe is expanding. Exactly. New stars are being born mm. new plant systems are now these take millions and billions of years but yeah. i think the universe doubles in size every 20 billion years or so right. that's the calculation they've right. done so there are like th- there's enough room for life to exist and if you think about those numbers it's yeah. it's in a way, it's very selfish and egocentric to think that- That we are alone, right? That we are alone, yeah. That I mean, even if, you, even,
0: if, even if you leave aside the philosophical implications of it, just the probability alone is- Exactly. I mean, it's, yeah. chances are there is something or someone out there, right? Mm. But there is this great, big, deafening silence. Yeah. I mean, we just haven't heard anything. That's, I think that is what Fermi, the Fermi Paradox seeks to mm. address. Yeah. Which is kind of depressing in a way, If you if you are a believer- if you, i mean if you really want to believe that there is something out there that, that we are not truly alone i mean you really hit a snack when you try to, try to try to understand why there is no communication at all from the great beyond
1: i think one thing we do have to understand is that simply considering the distances involved right even if we were to find something it would take hundreds of years of no but here's the thing
0: here's the thing the universe has existed long enough yeah for intelligent life have. Not only for it to have evolved, mm. for it to have become spacefaring. spacefaring. Yeah. And uh, at this point, our entire galaxy should have been colonized by any number of advanced enough civilizations. But that is just not the case. Like on a long enough timeline, assuming that a civilization doesn't self-destruct or isn't wiped out because of some other catastrophe or whatever, chances are they would evolve and develop into a spacefaring civilization. And as a population grows, it makes sense that you kind of move out of your home planet and, you know, colonize first starting with your own solar system Mm. and then maybe your local area. And then you kind of spread your wings across the galaxy. That has not happened. They have had 13 billion years to do this and it has not happened, which leads scientists like Fermi and a lot of skeptics to believe that maybe there is nothing out there.
1: What if they're out there and they never found us interesting enough to come and visit? That is actually one of the considerations of of the paradox. Uh, There are four, I think. One is that, like you mentioned, there is a good possibility that a lot more other civilizations have evolved to a point where they have figured out space travel and interstellar travel. But there is always a possibility that they haven't because, yeah, there because so space travel is hard exactly. Th- yeah. there are so many variables you have to figure out the engineering you have to yeah. figure out a way to to support life uh, for the duration of the journey right um you have to figure out the ways to navigate to the places you want to go to so that is one caveat mm. the other other thing is uh, what i just mentioned but if they did m- maybe they saw us then they thought they saw the way we were destroying the planet and, you know, warring with each other and mm. they just thought us to yeah, be... fuck these guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Extremely primitive and, and, and nonsensical. They just uh, ignored us. That is one possibility. And uh, it's also possible that uh, advanced civilizations evolved far too recently mm. for them to have come all this way. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it took us contact. four billion years yeah.
0: here on Earth.
1: and uh, Or maybe they visited... As in the past, and we didn't really have the means to record that or to, to understand. that or, it was or
0: they destroyed themselves long before they could. Right. Oh, I think or
1: maybe uh, they engineered us <laughs> and sent us here.
0: And we're all living in a simulation? <laughs> no, Okay. that's that's a, that's a different episode. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, here's the thing though. I mean, I, I like I said, I really want to believe that they're out there. But the more you think about it, the more abundantly clear it is to me that they, I mean... I mean, you, have you you've heard of the great filter right like it's mm. it's a it's another one of those theories that kind of
1: talk to me about the great filter because i i do have a little difficulty understanding where so it
0: basically ba- basically it is about anything that prevents the rise of life from dead matter life kind of came from nothing right if you think mm-hmm. about it i mean it just kind of arose on the planet molecules developed into cells and it, they became self-replicating and thus mm. life arose we don't really know how it began right yeah there are I all think, sorts of theories
1: yeah the best theory we have is somehow i have no expertise in this but and i don't know the terminology to use but somehow cells interacted in a way that gave rise to
0: amino acids yeah which is
1: the basis of dna and then right. it went on like that
0: but what exactly sparked that, no, we don't we, really I know. I don't think right? we know that, like, yeah. So anyway, so w- w- the great filter kind of discusses what might prevent something like that from occurring. Right. From life kind of rising out of material that isn't living. Or once life emerges and once it starts to evolve, a point will come when it will either die out Mhm. So you hit a peak intelligence, right, And as a civilization. And after, I mean, there's a point will come when you either self-destruct, you become the victim of some kind of natural disaster, or, and your civilization, your existence comes to an end. Right. What the, the Great Filter, I think it was derived from Fermi Paradox. It kind of states that it's either behind us, I think we've moved on from the Great Filters, and therefore we are safe, mm-hmm. or it's ahead of us. Correct. So okay. chances are it's probably ahead of us, given what's happening, what we are doing to the planet right now, mm-hmm. and the uh, possibility of mutually assured destruction with uh, our nuclear arsenals of respective countries. Where the Great Filter applies to our discussion is that any, what was the number we came up with? 4000? Uh, 4, 4, uh, yeah, yeah, in our galaxy. If you apply the Great Filter to those civilizations, it's, it's there's a very good chance they either didn't evolve to that point okay life there was kind of extinguished at the very beginning with not enough time to evolve into uh, a spacefaring civilization or the other possibility like you said is that they have and they just they just don't bother <laughs> right so,
1: yeah. which is kind of sad in a way
0: yeah and even so like i mean our radio signals are now out there right yeah like anybody listening in will you know, yes, and we've been we've been listening for how long now since the 1960s, at least, right? Seti 60s. The search for extraterrestrial intelligence was first subdivision in the sixties. Right? In in
1: 1960, I think. Yeah. Uh, by Carl Sagan and, right. and and Frank
0: Rick. Right, and we've been listening for so many decades, and we still haven't heard anything—not a single fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Except which, that one time in that 1979. one time, that one time in 1979, which is. I yeah don't know, we i don't know what there about that. yeah no, you're, you're talking you about the wow signal, wow, right? signal okay please. let's just
1: 1977 yeah, uh, this was uh, this was not actually said it's it was heard by the big ear radio telescope right in uh, ohio state university mm. so uh the the scientist who was working on this on this project he noticed this abnormal signal mm. and w- w- which was in no way he couldn't explain it how it happened or even figure out what had happened to, for, for them to have recorded it. So he just wrote the word wow yeah. next to uh, the, the the printout. And then people just started using the wow signal to refer to it.
0: Yeah, But the problem with the wow signal is that they were never able to replicate it, right? Like I, exactly. And
1: yeah. we, we don't know why it happened that one time. One so it was time. just that one time and yeah. it,
0: they never heard it again. No. So that's kind of a problem, right? Like it needs to be, I mean, that's how science works. It needs to be kind of repeatable, right?
1: yeah exactly maybe uh i don't know aliens are just teasing us and they will send another signal in, in another million years yeah. and uh then a vogon I mean, spaceship it, will do we know it, like, it,
0: it could have been from like a pulsar, or like yeah. from. It. we don't know that we don't know yes okay. exactly
1: we don't have an explanation we don't we have no idea how it happened right there are so many theories
0: right so this is this is the one maybe yeah example close that, call. yeah yeah a close call if you want to call it but other than that there is absolutely nothing right Mm -hmm. like zero evidence yeah so what can we conclude from that that are we i mean are we really alone like in this vast humongous universe where we are smaller than a tiny speck of dust Mm -hmm. and that's just like in our own like local area like we we are so small like in it's so insignificantly small that it makes your head spin it makes you I mean, if you think about it for too long, you can you, <laughs> you can get a little depressed.
1: To put things in context, uh, if you haven't already, you should check out uh, the pale blue dot. Oh yeah, God. That uh, if you don't have time to read the whole book, just just uh, look at that excerpt, and that we will link this in. Yeah, I think there's the a nice uh,
0: video on uh, YouTube where Carl, where Carl reads it of, yeah, himself, yeah, yeah. which
1: is just you know, it just <laughs> hits you. Yeah, <laughs> right it hits you middle. right in the feels. Yeah, right in the feels. So, you should definitely listen to it. It just puts into perspective how how insignificant we are in the universe in, in, in our own solar system and um, but that's also
0: because we are kind of searching for some kind of meaning, some significance. That's also yeah. another very human thing, right? I mean it's a very romantic endeavor. yeah, but okay, so why I mean, is life and intelligence is it is it really that important? Is it significant? I mean I mean, we are clearly an accident, right? Yeah, we're a cosmic accident. There are so many factors that contribute to our existence that like I mean we're probably the luckiest planet there is I mean life wouldn't exist I mean for one thing we are in the Goldilocks zone zone, and of course that enables life we have liquid water we have an atmosphere far enough from the sun that it's not too hot not too cold but that alone is not enough we have Jupiter to thank for because Jupiter being the huge gas giant that it, it is with its immense gravitational pull it it's constantly pulling asteroids and comets that may otherwise come and hit us yep. which would have you know i mean if any 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 possibility of life would have been extinguished right at the start without if, if it weren't for jupiter and also the moon there are all these factors that enable our existence and again if you look at the numbers it's it's probable that it's repeated every somewhere else in the universe maybe not in our galaxy maybe in some other galaxy but again
1: yeah but but then again i think what keeps people going especially the scientists who work on these things uh, day in and day out is the fact that it's just faith really that uh, this accident could happen somewhere else just because of the sheer size. Yeah, and given enough time it could yeah.
0: happen. I mean we are the universe is thirteen plus billion years. Old. Yeah, thirteen point That is a long ass time. Yes. Life may be I mean, I don't know, at least okay, maybe there's multicellular life out there. Maybe there's very primitive kinds of mm. life out there. Uh,
1: and that's that's one other thing that we should mention. We are looking for intelligent life, of course. But why are we
0: looking for intelligent life? Why is intelligence so special? Like
1: I think we are kind of excited at the at the prospect of you know, just talking to an alien book communicating with an alien like, being who has no idea what any players on earth mm. is they have had a completely different experience in a in a different environment. I think that even when you meet someone from from outside the country right mm. you you have a lot of things to to explore to talk about mm. I think that that is there in a much more grander scale if you are lucky enough to meet someone from outside the planet
0: alien culture clash
1: yeah we're kind of excited at at that prospect i think which is also romantic in a way and we it's not just that we want to give them an idea about what we have that's why we sent out the voyager with a golden record in it with Mm -hmm. um, pictures and sound recordings and flakes of life from earth for anyone who's out there to discover it Um, so i think we are just we, we are kind of Desperate in that way. Yeah, I was to just find something. say
0: that. I mean, do you think it comes from a very desperate need to not be alone?
1: I think so. Yeah, because even at a macro level, we we always want to belong, right? Right. That's why people. Some people find that in religion. Some people find that in in friends or relations. We always want to be part of something. Mm. Part of something bigger than us. And uh, being a part of a a bigger universe would be the ultimate. Uh, manifestation of it.
0: And yet, for the longest time, some of the more prominent religions thought we were the center of the universe and right. that we were God's only creation and mm-hmm. God's only intelligent creation. And you think discovering something like that, I mean, okay, I mean, I don't want to bash any religions here, but like, do you think making mm-hmm. some kind of first contact mm-hmm. or at least finding any kind of evidence that there is something out there, do you think that would kind of fundamentally change our outlook on life here on earth
1: i think it definitely will if you want to
0: talk about religion specifically
1: there was a nice article that i read yesterday where a lady talks to this the, the person who wrote it he, she talks to a rabbi uh, a catholic priest and an imam is uh, this a joke <laughs> a rabbi a catholic <laughs> priest and an imam go <laughs> walk, walk into, into a a okay and yeah <laughs> uh, and uh, they kind of discuss what would happen if they find right. some other civilization out there yeah. and all of them agree that it's not Outside the purview of their mm. respective religion, to uh, think of something like that, and I think, honestly, there there will be a huge, it will be a shock to everyone here on Earth, and people will try to, won't be easy to come to grips with it right away. But people will, re- religions will find some w- kind of explanation. I some think. yeah, some and people kind of, will just move on. You think exactly. I mean, the I church mean it's great, okay, there are the, aliens. So yeah, the they church shunned Galileo at first, yeah. but then they right. kind of took him in so they will i just think they will find a workaround to keep on uh, dishing out their dogmatism whatever happens it will be the biggest discovery in our time right if that happens like we don't know the risks that we'll be involved with we don't we have no idea what would happen it will be a, a completely new experience but uh, since we are evolved to adapt i think we'll find our ways around it and so will our, our ideologies
0: yeah so with uh, with uh, that sobering thought we'll uh this up. Please let us know what you guys think. Um, are you are you believers or skeptics? I, th- I think it was Arthur C. Clarke who said this, that uh, two possibilities exist. Mm-hmm. Either we are alone in the universe, or we are not. And he, and I too, find either possibility terrifying. Yeah. So, we'd like to know where you guys stand on this. Mm-hmm. So Reach out to us on, maybe on Twitter, on Facebook, or wherever.
1: Yeah, I myself uh, remain an optimist, actually. I would
0: yeah, me too. I opposed to love sense. to see something yeah. like
1: that happen, but uh, yeah, we don't know. And, don't and know. The, the the actual answer is that we, we don't know. know. We don't what know what will happen. That's, I mean, it's yeah yeah uh, speculating on it for, for days on end will not do any. But that's all we but, can do right Yeah, now. that's all we can do. But then yeah, it's are, fun to speculate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we, we should also like mention that there are thousands of people working on these things yeah. day in and day out, and they are doing a thankless job yeah. basically. Um, it's just passion driving them, I think. Mm. And um, there was a time when I wanted to be somewhere like that. Uh, yeah. I wanted to, like, I think everyone, when they was smaller. Like anyone of us
0: who grew up reading science fiction. Yeah. Yeah.
1: At some point, they wanted to yeah. be an astronaut or a scientist. or. Yeah. Yeah. Kudos to them. Yep. Uh, and we'll end with that thought. See you guys in the next one. All right. Peace.
0: Bad Tech Podcast is brought to you by nobody. Uh, This is solely a self-funded endeavor. We're not asking for funds either, don't worry. But do give us a shout on social media. And if you use any uh, podcast uh, platforms like, you know, Apple Podcasts or whatever, just uh, maybe give us a rating. Basically, just let us know what you honestly think. We we welcome uh, constructive criticism. Mm -hmm whatever feedback you have if you
1: enjoy these conversations we would really appreciate if you could share them with your friends and let them know what you like or dislike about them
0: yeah I mean we are not making any money out of this we are just having fun hope you are too yeah thank you